everybody. You're listening to Chatting with Candace. I'm your host, Candace Horback. Before we get started on this week's episode, you can support the podcast by going to chattingwithcandace.com and signing up for our Patreon account. You get early access to episodes, bonus content, and live AMAs. You can also just give this podcast five stars. That helps out a ton. This week, I'm really excited. We have Josh Wilson joining the conversation. I met Josh when I was a guest on his podcast, Uncensored Advice for Men. We got along so well. I really enjoyed the conversation that I wanted to invite him on just to talk a little bit more about him, his journey, how he started the podcast, and why he thinks it's important to have a podcast that's giving uncensored advice for men. It got really fun. We talked about some really cool stuff. I hope that you enjoy the conversation. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining the podcast today, Josh. If you want to give the listeners like a little background about what you're doing, your podcast, the inspiration behind it, I think it's really awesome stuff that you're doing. Awesome. Thanks, Candace. So, hey, everybody out there listening in to Candace's podcast, you know, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Josh, and you know, I, I have a, I think I have a few things going on, but it, you know, like I, I'd consider myself a dude, right? I'm a guy. Uh, I'm a man. You know, I love God. I love my family. I love my friends. And in this crazy world, I'm trying to love other people too, but <laughs> some of them make it really hard. I have a, a business advisory. I help small businesses. And uh, I, I just always had this uh, desire you know, to, to help guys. So I have a podcast show called Uncensored Advice for Men. I found in my life uh, I needed good advice from smart people. And then I'm building another podcast syndicated show focused on small business. So I love podcasts. I love talk shows. I love connecting with people and helping helping guys and get through life. So it's kind of a little bit about me. So I really like your uncensored approach. I was reading um, your like podcast description and I was laughing because I'm like, we live in this world where you have to kind of say that, right? Like, warning, this is uncensored. This isn't for people that get offended very easily. We're just talking about hard truths and people that are interested in self-growth, which I think is amazing. I like went on a little bit of a tweet rant the other day after like the VP debate because everyone was calling Pence like sexist and mansplaining. And as a mom of a boy, I get so annoyed when we like kind of just like stick men in this bucket and we say they're all bad. I think it's just like another example of one of many of like a feminist movement kind of gone wrong. So like what's your opinion on mansplaining? Because for me, I was like, it's just interrupting. That's all it is. It's just interrupting. I just hate that we have to like separate it by gender because it's not always that in my opinion. Great question. And, you know, to be honest, I'm nervous about any time I hit the record button on a on a podcast show because we we live in a culture where if people don't like what you're saying then literally you become the villain right and we have a constitutional you know right that we fought for to be able to say things that's on your mind so we're we're living in a culture where we have to go hey i hope this doesn't offend you but i love god you know like and you're like or i hope this doesn't offend you but i have a wife or i have kids right and it's just like you know, I, I don't go around stepping on people's toes. I, I, I just don't have time for it. I don't have I don't have time to to or energy really to to go out there and, and attack people. But I am able to have my views and my opinions and my my belief systems. And we fought for those things, right? That's that's why we live in this beautiful country. So on this whole thing of like, I, I don't know the full definitions of mansplaining and such like this, but like 
you know, I'm a guy and I'm, I'm proud to be a man. I'm glad I'm not a woman. <laughs> Can I tell you a quick story? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a three-year-old son and uh, he, he said, mommy, do I have a belly, uh, uh, a baby in my belly? Is when my wife was pregnant. She goes, do it, right? And she goes, no, only girls can have babies. At least at this time, right? In this age, who knows what will happen in the future? She goes, no, only girls can have babies. And he goes, yeah, it's probably too tough for boys, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I'm glad I'm not a girl. I'm glad I don't have to, you know, push a watermelon out of my, you know, private parts. <laughs> right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's not an easy feat for sure. Hardest thing I've ever done. So I wanted to know when it comes to like the generalization of like men not wanting to talk about their feelings or their problems or um, like that's strictly like a feminine trait and then you have this podcast that's all about those things. Like do you find like a lot of men are like really glad you're doing it? Because I know your podcast is very interactive. You're constantly like asking your listeners to like give you their feedback and if they have any questions, concerns, follow-ups. Like I guess do you see a lot of people are like, yes, thank you for – you know, launching this thing that's very needed? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. Because, you know, when you share something like, you know, I did a, uh, an episode on erectile dysfunction, right? And I, when you post that, like people aren't going to like that guys aren't going to like that. Because if they like it or share it or comment on it, then they're like, well, maybe people will think that I have erectile dysfunction or something like that. So a lot of my shows go out into the darkness. But every once in a while, I'll get a text message from a guy who goes, Hey, Josh, good job. <laughs> and then I just got to read into it going, okay, he probably, you know, listened to it and it, and it provided some, you know, useful advice. But I don't get a lot of, you know, strong feedback because we talk about topics that are challenging to men, emotions, feelings, being yourself, race and, and all sorts of gender identity stuff. And it's just like, it's tough. And I don't have all the answers. That's why I bring on guests who are smarter than me. <laughs> that's usually what you try to do, right? And then like, you can't get in trouble for the opinions. Like, oh, it's the guest. I'm just right. a listener. Exactly. Exactly. They could say whatever. My guest, you know, this is my sixth podcast show that I created. I built some, sold some. And, and, but I wanted a show where my guest didn't have to apologize. So people have come on my show and they've talked about, you know, being gay or lesbian and, or being a feminist or being this or being that. And they don't have to apologize. They could just say, hey, Josh, this is my view. And this is helpful maybe to one guy in your audience or 100 or all of them. So I just wanted to give place of, you know, for people to talk about being a man, right? And advice for men. And maybe some, some things could open up our eyes. It's just we're open to it. I have my beliefs, but I share others too. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's so many places I want to go with that because I actually have like a list and you like hit all of them right there. So <laughs> first thing is, I didn't know you could sell podcasts. So can you kind of like explain your um, like business experience with podcasting? Because I, I would assume that it's like attached to the host, right? And like that's where the value is. So how did you create value aside from that? Yeah. So with like domain investing or selling websites or selling brands, right? You could go out there and you could create a brand you test it out into the marketplace and then there's other people if they like it they'll you know they'll you know they they can buy it right so i've had some successes i've i've probably done 500 or so interviews across my different brands and i've created some for other people right so they paid me a good amount of money to come in and help them create their own brand their own personas for investors or for venture capital or whatever right and then i've built some that you know i i started going and someone else said hey i want to take this in and run with it so I've, I've handed off one and I've, and I've shut down a bunch because they didn't work. Right. So I've, I've been, been through a lot. No, that's great. 
The other topic that you just discussed was like, so you opened up with saying that you're Christian, correct? Yeah. So you're Christian, but you, you're talking about all these other things that like you have had people t- come on talking about being gay. You obviously have had me on the podcast. Yeah. I loved having you on the show. It was fun. It was good. It was really fun. So I guess like what I see, I grew up Catholic and then I kind of like found my own spiritual path, if you will. So I kind of like left that a little bit ago. But what I see with a lot of people that are religious, it's like two divides. Like you have some people like yourself that are just like, you can just like look at you, right? And you're like very like accepting and kind and happy. Like you're always smiling. We had like the best conversation. (laughs) And it's like, there's just like this tolerance, right? And like, just like this, like love and like be and let be kind of thing. And then there's the other attitude where I get, especially being in the South where it's like, well, you have committed this sin and you're a terrible person and I can't even like acknowledge you in public because then like I'm now like, you know, associated. So like, how do you, how did you come to find that kind of attitude, like of just tolerance? Jesus said this, right? So I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm not an expert. Let's set the, the thing is I've, I've, I've made a tremendous amount of mistakes. So I'm not an expert. And, you know, we would call it sins, right? Lots of sins, still make them. But here's what Jesus said. He said, all right, if you're going to boil down everything, here are the two commandments that I have for you. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, body, right? Love God, love him deeply. And then love your fellow neighbor. And then people were like, well, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Who's your neighbor? And he's like, look around you, right? So it's just like, I don't have to agree. All right, so I think we're in this age where everybody's like, you have to agree with me. And that's not the case. I do have to love you, but I don't have to agree with you. And I, I think that I think that love is love covers a multitude and the Bible says <laughs> I don't want to preach, but like it covers a multitude of sins, right? Quote sins, right? So love and Bob Marley, I think it was, love is my religion, right? Like Jesus I believe in Jesus and I believe his commandment to me was love God, love people. And I can't go around doing whatever and expect that those two most important things to, to stand strong. So that's, that's, that's what I try and attempt to stand by because I'm going to, I'm going to fail. I'm going to mess up every other commandment, right? Don't have sex or like outside of the covenant of marriage or, you know, before marriage, you know, mess those up, you know, don't, don't, don't have lust in your heart for a woman. Yep. Mess that one up. Don't lie. Yep. Mess that one up. Don't steal. Screw that one up. Right. So everything other than I haven't murdered anybody, but like, you know, anything other than that, I've broken, right? So it's just like, man, how could I stack up against all these do nots? I can't. So all I can hold on to is that Jesus did something that I couldn't, you know, he he was perfect. I'm not. And I try to love God and love people. So that's where I, that's where my belief systems allow me to maybe not agree with everybody, but just try to love them, even if they hate me. It's weird. No, I think, I mean, I think that's needed right now. I totally agree where everyone's like, there's like this huge disconnect. If you don't agree with everyone, then you can't be friends with them, can't respect them. They have to immediately convert to your way of thinking, whatever it is. I just like, I wish there was more tolerance right now, especially like on social media. 
But yeah, it's really tough because like my husband and I, like we both are entrepreneurs and starting our own business and we have friends that are like living the same kind of path. And it's like you get these older people that come in and they're like, you can't talk to them. Do you know what she does? And I'm like, oh my gosh. And it's like, I think you're misinterpreting something somewhere along the lines because like, I don't think that's beneficial for anybody. Everyone like has missteps and maybe doesn't live in accordance with whatever your idea of the perfect world is or my idea of the perfect world is. And like, we can still get along and like respect one another. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think respect is good. So I I like to paint it like this. I have a seven-year-old beautiful daughter, right? I love her. A three-year-old son and then a nine-month-old girl, right? So girl, boy, girl. Very rarely will I agree with them, right? Dad, could I have another cookie? Could I do this? Dad, you, you know, like... And very rarely will they agree with each other, right? So even in my own household, there's so much disagreement, right? So I don't expect anybody in this universe, if I don't even agree with my wife on everything, I don't expect anybody in this universe to agree with me on everything. It's just impossible, especially the one who married me or the kids that like came from, from my DNA don't agree with me fully. How, how can I expect that guy across the street? who votes for so-and-so or believes in so-and-this or, or does this for a job, how do I expect them to agree with me? And how can I force that on them? It's, I think it's you're setting yourself up for a fight. No, totally. And I also think, at least with my experience, it's like whatever that one ideal is that you're disagreeing with, like we're like very complex beings, right? So there's like so much more than that one thing to you. And for some reason, it's like, well, you think – we can use like any, you know, polarizing example, right? Like you could, you're voting for Biden or you're voting for Trump. So that means you're like X, Y, or Z. And you're like so much more than that one thing that you do. And it's like, we are failing to recognize the complexities of human beings and human nature. And just saying like you do this or you think this, so this must mean that you're a terrible person in conclusion. Absolutely. Now your example, you said that there, you know, maybe an older couple, you know, is kind of shunning you for the kind of work that you do or have done in the past, right? How did that make you feel? So it's weird because it's something I've done a lot of work on because I'm like a firm believer of no one can make you feel anything. I think you're responsible for your own feelings, your own sense of self-worth. And that when you have like a visceral reaction to anything, it's because of some narrative that you're telling yourself. Like that little ego, ego voice in your head is like telling you this is true and that's why you feel this way. So I felt before I found this out recently, I felt like I had that under control and I was like, you know, in full acceptance of my path and like the choices that I've made and very proud of them. And then I find this thing out and I was like, kind of taken back 10 steps and I'm like, holy cow. Well, like, how dare they, right? Like what hypocrites? And, you know, like I started I guess, blaming them, like the whole like internal and external locus of control situation. And I was, then I had to reframe that and then go back and be like, okay, well, there's something clearly that I'm insecure about. And then like, I tried to tackle it from that angle instead, but it's really hard not to get frustrated because it's like, I didn't really do anything. Like I'm a pretty good person as far as like the general metric goes, right? I'm not hurting anybody. I'm very open-minded. I don't really judge anyone else. So when I get that kind of reaction or behavior towards me, it just seems unfair. But again, like why do we ex- expect fairness? Like no one said that was a thing. But yeah, it definitely triggered me for sure. And I was like, whoa, I didn't know that was still there. Right, right. I, I think I think in terms of judgment, right? Let, let's use let's use judgment as an example where 
the maybe the older conservative couple across the street who have Trump signs and you know they go to church you know four times a, a day and you know where they can judge and, and pass judgment based on you know the the work that you've done right at the same time you have maybe the person to your other side of the house who maybe works with you in that industry who fully accepts you so it's one person judge you the other person accepts you and if and if this whole world you're going to go around going who judges me who doesn't accept me it it, it will put you into a chaotic spin that that happened to me i'm a i'm a people pleaser i like people right but i i i felt so insecure because i wanted people to like me and accept me and the truth of the matter is is i didn't like and accept myself so then when people stacked their judgment against me I became a chameleon. I, I could become anything to anyone. And then at the end of the day, I forgot who the heck I was. But it all started with me judging myself, not knowing who I am, and then accepting the judgment of others. And man, it put me into a funk, depression, anxiety, fear, resentment for the people that I was actually trying to help. And I'm like, I looked up one day, you know, I was, I was standing on a bridge thinking of jumping off because of all my failures and I felt worthless. And I was just like, Man, I, I forgot who I actually was or why I'm even here. So, yeah, I appreciate that question because it really gives insight into you're just not going to make everyone happy. No, and I feel like I think what I came down to when I was like searching those feelings and like why they were resurfacing, I think it's because I'm a new mom, right? So now like my decisions have no longer just like impacted like me and my husband. It's now it you know, I'm not ignorant to the fact it's absolutely going to affect him growing up without a doubt, like, especially once it becomes known and whatever. So I think when that judgment was passed, it was like, oh, shit, I have to do this all over again. Once we start school and once we have parents and like, you know, it's going to be like this whole thing. And for me, I'm just like, oh, like, that's just going to be really shitty because like, he didn't sign off on any of this, right? And now he's going to have to like reap the repercussions of like my choices. So that's like a little bit frustrating because it's like I can't I'm not going to be able to d- deny other people's realities. Right. And and there's a little bit of an elephant in the room. So if someone's listening from my audience, right? They're going to go, "Okay, well, you know, maybe who is Candace, you know, what has she done in in terms of work?" Cuz we we mentioned it but you're in the adult industry. Correct. You're in that. You're married. You have a child. So, you know, that, that way people listening in could go, oh, I understand what they're talking about. And you know what I think is, I know, here's what I think a challenge you might face, and I'd love to ask you this, is for as your kid gets older and as you guys, you know, you and your, your husband maybe have other children, the, the parent-teacher conferences or other parents that are like, that maybe judge your kid because of the actions, you know, in the in the work that you you do and have done, how does that affect your your brain? Because I know that you're, you're you're thinking that like he he didn't do anything; he was just born into the the you know the things our world. My kids are born into mine; they'll be judged for decisions that I've made. Is that fair, right? Or how do you deal with that? Oh, I feel like I'm still trying to navigate it because so I I moved around a ton as a kid and I was like very shy. We had like a lot of issues at home that made me like a little bit awkward and just like very isolated. So I didn't have a lot of friends growing up. So I know like how shitty that was. It wasn't easy. My mom didn't make it any easier. There are a lot of similarities there. So I'm really trying to avoid that being his reality. 
I think the benefit that I have is like that I'm married and like I always tell like my husband, Eric, I was like, there is no divorce. Like one of us dies. Like that's just what it is. So he's going to have like the benefit of like a two family household and hopefully that'll like help brace the impact. I kind of like came to the conclusion and I don't know if it's just out of like self-preservation or whatever, but that people are just going to filter themselves out. Right. So if there's people that are very judgmental and very like just critical of my choices and they're going to cast judgment on a child for, you know, the sins of the parent, then that's probably not someone that I want influencing my kid anyways. And you know what I mean? Like we raise our kids in such a way, like I hope to raise my kid very open-minded, very compassionate, like a free thinker and just like a well-rounded individual. So like that's, you know, his influence over his peers. And then if you have a parent that's very rigid, judgmental, and just negative, they're instilling that into their child, unfortunately, and then that kid's going to affect his peers. So uh, to me, I'm like, okay, well, I guess it's just going to buffer out those people, and that's a good thing. But yeah, I say that now, but I guess we'll find out in like a few years, right? Right. I'll come back on the show in a few years, and we'll, we'll revisit this. You know what question I hate? is when people like me, you know, one of the first things that they ask you is like, hey, what do you do? So they're like, hey, Josh, you know, and they're like, what do you do? I hate that question. Me too. Okay. So I found, I always had this joke because I'm like, it's very rude, right? I find it very rude if you don't know the person on a personal level. But in LA, especially, it's almost before even anyone asks you what your name is. It's like, well, what do you do? Like, how can you help me? Like, what connections do you have that I need? How much money do you have? Right. right? (laughs) I mean, that's just such a personal question. And like, you're so much more than your job, no matter who you are. So why, I guess, why do you, why do you hate that question? Well, I used to hate it because I didn't know what I did. Right. I've had I've had a lot of failures in my life. A lot of failures. You know, I've started up some businesses. I've lost my family's money multiple times. I cashed out a pension to build a technology, you know, fitness technology company. It failed big time. You know, we've been on food stamps, on welfares, you know, like we've hit the bottom of the barrel and you know, rock bottom multiple times. (laughs) So like when people in, in the middle of a transition, they'll say, What do you do? And I'm like, Well, I'm working at a moving company to pay bills or um you know, I'm mowing lawns or I'm this or that. And I've had so many different jobs. When someone says like, who are you? I'm just sick of trying to figure out. And I'm a master of jockeying position and like being a a marketing strategist. So like, I know how to make it sound like I'm more important than I am. Right. So in full transparency, but I hate it because I feel like they're not asking me, Josh, what's important to you? I feel like they're asking, what can you do for me? Are you rich? Who do you know? Are you famous? Right? They're they're asking me, should I hang out with you because where you stack on the social chain or on the financial chain? Not not anything about Josh. They're asking me what's in it for them. That's what they're asking. That's why I hate it. Yep. I I totally agree. So for me, I feel like I still get anxiety now <laughs> now for obvious reasons when everyone's like, "Well, what do you do?" because I'm like, Uh, Do I spare them the discomfort? Do I spare myself the discomfort? Do I just say I'm like a homemaker? Like, what do I do? I would get so much anxiety because I'm like, oh, like I know that they're either going to judge me or they're not going to leave me alone for the rest of the night. It's like one of two things. And like, I might not be in the mood for either. So there definitely had a lot to do with like my own insecurities as to why I didn't like that question. And then I also agree with you. It's like also... You're not asking like, am I happy? Like what my interests are? Like there's nothing like really substantial about like what you do, right? 
for most people. Like some people have like really cool, fulfilling, like they're doing these nonprofits that they're super passionate about and like that's their life path. But for most people, it's your work, right? Like there's so much more than just that one face, if you will. So yeah, I always get really frustrated too. I'm like, can we just like skip that question? So sometimes when people ask me, <laughs> so this is as close as I, I've ever gotten to work in, in, in your industry. People will ask me like, it was, it was around my, you know, when my father was alive and all his buddies were around, right? And, you know, like, this is the time to impress your dad's friends, right? And they go, so Josh, what do you do? And I, you know, I was doing pretty well. I was in real estate investments at the time <laughs> before we lost the market, uh, money when the market crashed, but a bunch of my dad's men, menly men in construction. And they're like, so Josh, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm, I'm just a dancer. I just want to be a dancer. And <laughs> my dad was so <laughs> embarrassed. <laughs> And those guys were like, oh, okay. And they changed the subject like right away. And I was like, and then we moved on with the night, had some beers and, you know, but it was just so funny. Like their question and my answer changed how they viewed me and my dad. Uh-huh. Entirely. And you're like, this is so ridiculous. Yeah. I always like kind of avoid it, especially if it's someone I don't know and I'm never going to see again. And then they get really weirded out. They're like, it's a simple question. I was like, oh, well, it's really not. You don't yeah. really understand what you're asking. So we'll just move along. Right. Yeah. When it comes to like questions and topics that you do on your podcast, do you find that there's like one that a lot of people, I guess, like need help with or need advice with? Like, is there like something that gets more demand than others? I, I mean, there's there's popularity and demand. Po- the popular ones are like you know when we talk about sex, right? Guys love talking about sex and fame and money and power, right? Like those are the things that guys like to talk about. So those are probably our main drivers in terms of popularity. But I think that the most impactful ones that I like to talk about, the, the ones that have the biggest impact in my life, because I'm asking the coaches and the, the, my guests, I'm asking them questions that I struggle with. I think the deepest struggle that a man has is his identity of who he thinks he is. I think that is the most important topic I like discussing because everything else is stacked on that, like, you know, who I think I am. I guess that's my answer. So what's your advice for for crafting that person, I guess? My husband, actually, we were just talking about it last night for some reason. He was saying that he used to hate that question as well. Like, what do you do? Because especially as like a younger man, it's like, well, I don't fucking know what I'm doing yet. I'm like, I'm still in college. I'm trying to figure it out. And then it, you know, it kind of tries to force you to like make a decision in that moment. And I think everyone kind of struggles with like a sense of purpose right now. I think that's why we see so much chaos happening everywhere is because when people act out in whatever way, it's because like that's their purpose in that moment. So I guess how do you find your purpose? You find your purpose by finding your people. Okay. Your, your purpose is in your people. We always think like, okay, I'm looking through my life and I'm seeing what I'm good at. What do I enjoy? You know, and you know, we, we, we try to build a life around the activities, right? What I'm good at, what I can make money on. So we, we forget that ultimately we're all here to serve one another. For you to make money doing something, you have to provide a value of some sort to someone else for them to transfer a dollar into your pocket. So I think that, that your purpose is in your people. So I would say, for guys out there, like I struggled with this. I've had probably 30 to 40 different career shifts in my life. It sucks. And it's painful because then you, you, you go, okay, you start back and you're filling out resumes and you're asked, you're reading these stupid self-help books. I've read them all. And you're, you're going to counselors and they're trying to tell you, oh, you could talk. You should be an actor or you should be this or you should be that. And you get shoulded to death. 
So I'm going to should you. <laughs> what you should do is find out the people that you actually enjoy being with. Find out the people that you have a passion to serve and that you, you, you care about, right? So for me, like I grew up in a small business. I grew up, you know, with my dad, a, a dude, right? A man's man who never apologized for being a guy. He got arrested for his belief systems. He, he fought in, in Vietnam War for his belief systems. He got shot multiple times. And so here's a guy who had his belief system and didn't, didn't apologize for him. So, you know, I, I would say is find your people because if you find your people, you're going to really think about how you can serve them and how you could help them. What's the highest level of value I could bring to my people? And my people, because growing up in a small business with my father, I found that all the struggles that they had, I, I just love serving guys, like people like my dad, right? Because I just enjoy being with my dad. I enjoy being around on the construction site with other men. Now, they're, they're women too, and I fought fires with them, and I saved lives with them, and I, I've served with them and invested with them. And women are great. I love, you know, women, right? But, like, I, I just love dudes. I love, love working with guys. And I love small businesses. So like small business people are my people. So finding my purpose is I know my people and I get more clear on who I like being with. I'll find ways to serve them. And it's going to always feel good because I'm hanging out with people I enjoy. So that's my purpose keeps me going. The activity will change. You know, like if you were a, a fax marketer back in, you know, 1980, you don't have fax machines anymore, right? You have email and LinkedIn and, you know, new programs coming up. So your activities will change, but your people, you know, I think stay closer tight over your lifetime. It, that might change too, but I would say that's how to find your purpose. And then do you think that with like, cause a lot of states are still like on total lockdown. So how, like, what are some channels that you would tell specifically like men to try to use to find like their people? Cause right now, like, you know what I mean? Like you can't like go hang out. So tough. I think that the, the worst thing about this, this time, 2020, is separation from other people, right? So like, you know, our church shut down for a little bit. And those are, those are my people, right? Like we have the same belief system and, and there's people there that I really get along with. And then my kid's school got shut down and we were hanging out with, you know, our kids' parents and, you know, like other, other people. So like, I think the hardest thing of this was it put people in isolation. And when guys get hurt, at least for me, when I get injured, self-esteem, insecurity of failure, my bank account goes into the red, whatever the case may be, I withdraw because I'm embarrassed and I'm hurt and I'm fearful. So I tend to go into isolation and then it just goes into a spiral. So how do you find people is, is the question is, I would say, find out, you know, like, first of all, kind of identify who they are. Like, I like business people. So where do business people hang out in virtually is LinkedIn, right? Podcast, right? So I connect with a lot of podcast hosts and I can have good conversations, which makes me nervous because we're recorded and we, <laughs> I can never take back what I say, right? I think finding your people is find out who your people are and then find out where they hang out. And you have to get a little creative today because the world's on lockdown and we're a little crazy right now. Oh, and if dudes are out there and you guys are in business world and you want to connect with me, find me on LinkedIn. Like, we'll hang out. Joshua Bruce Wilson, search for me there. We'll have a cup of coffee virtually or I like scotch. So buy me a scotch and we'll chat, you know? Oh, that's what I was going to ask. You're like very self-aware. That's like what I get. Like, you're, you're, you can say like, I feel this and this is, you know, what's, you know, put me in a negative spiral. Like, you're not afraid to say like, I'm happy, sad, angry, fearful, 
how did you get so comfortable with identifying like your emotions and just, I guess, harnessing that self-awareness? If you would have asked me that two years ago, different answer. I would say I'm learning because I was in a lot of pain. I spent my whole life, you know, being the, the tough guy, right? I fought fires. I wrestled alligators. I've, I was a fighter. I was a wrestler. I, you know, I, I was being, I was a tough guy. And I thought that that was my identity. I thought identity was being able to carry everybody else, but nobody gets to carry me. And I've, I've failed a lot. Like I, I, I have to say that multiple times on the show. Like I failed a lot. And my failures because of multimedia and because of social media and because of, you know, stuff, you can, people can see it and it hurts bad. I started getting anxiety attacks like in 2017 because of a, a, a bad partnership. It hurt me financially, lost a lot of money. I've had to go get coaches. I had a coach come kind of like pick me up off the floor and kind of walk me through some stuff. Gave me a lot of homework. I've done a lot of work. I've gone to counseling. My wife and I have gone to marriage counseling. He made us print out a circle of feelings, right? So I'm like, wow, I thought there were only three feelings, you know, horny, sad, and happy, right? (laughs) (laughs) But no, there's a lot of feelings and I just didn't know what they were. Here's a tip for guys out there, right? You have a lot of stuff going on in your head. You don't want other people to see it. I get that, right? So if you don't want to share what it is, say this, say, you know, maybe to a partner or so-and-so. I don't know exactly what I'm feeling, but I'm, I'm feeling a little off. Give me a minute to uh, maybe put my thoughts together. When I understand it better, I'll be able to explain it better. So if you could do that, just saying, hey, I have a feeling, but I don't know what it is. Like, I'll tell you, like, all right. My wife, when I said that the first time, she goes, oh, I get it. And I'm like, what? What do you mean you get it? Like, that made no sense to me, but she got it. Why, why does that make sense to women? Because it made no sense to me, but I was taught to say it. And now I just say it all the time. <laughs> because to me, it's showing effort, right? It's like saying that you're acknowledging that you're not in your normal neutral, whatever that might be, and that you need time for, for like introspection or reflection or whatever it is. So it's just, it's acknowledging it, right? So like so many times, like men will just go, I don't know or I'm fine. And like, that's all you get. Like I always would joke that my husband has like the emotional span of a teaspoon, like from Harry Potter. Right? I'm like, we have to work on expanding this. Like there are so many emotions and they're all okay to feel. There's this book, it's the untethered soul. And it talks about feeling your feelings and there's no such thing as a good feeling or bad feeling. You just have to like feel it, accept it and like let it go. And then when you start to kind of like fight those things, it's like what what you resist persists kind of idea. So like if you are fighting that you're feeling, you know, depressed or sad or angry, like that's just going to keep bubbling up and just keep exacerbating. Um, So at some point you're going to have to like tackle your problem head on. Otherwise it's going to get out of control. It will get out of, it will, guys, guys listening in and even ladies, your emotions will absolutely get out of control if you cannot identify them. And like, like, you don't have to go through this whole process of like dealing with them most of the time. Most of the time, you just have to identify what's going on in you and walk yourself. Like my wife and I will do this. What's going on inside? Why potentially am I feeling this? Just identify what am I actually feeling? Maybe not even why. What am I feeling? I'll tell you for guys too, a lot of times the how we're taught to be men is a little off. You know, like I was taught, here's how to be a guy. 
provide for your family, which I haven't been, you know, great at in, in times of my life, how to finish a fight, right? So my dad taught me, my dad was a, was a badass guy and he taught me how to fight and, you know, so like how to defend and fight for what you believe in. And, but there's so many other things. And when I went through some major challenges, I had a guy who stepped in and he was very transparent about his feelings. And the first thing that came to my mind is this guy's acting more feminine, right? Like I've never experienced this in my life, but he was like, Oh man, you must be really hurting. And I was, but I was like, no, nah, man, no, I'm good. I could stack on another 10 years of this kind of problem. But he was like, no, like Josh, like if that happened to me, I'd really be hurt. I'd really have my feelings hurt. I'm like, dude, you're talking crazy to me, right? <laughs> but being around another guy who's a manly man or whatever, a, guy, a kind of guy that you want to be, you know, be around or, you know, be maybe, right? But that's someone that you look up to that could go, yeah, I have feelings. It makes me sad when I feel rejected by my wife. If I don't get enough sex, I feel rejected and it hurts my feelings, right? It's hard to say that. It's hard to say, it makes me sad if I didn't get the promotion. I feel rejected. I feel like they didn't value me. I feel sad if I didn't get that deal, right? It makes me feel inadequate, impotent, powerless. I feel sad if I get fired from my job. I feel worthless. I feel like my job is this and I'm not doing it good. I feel behind in life, right? So those are things that guys feel. They just have a hard time saying it. So be around another guy who can talk about that kind of thing too. You don't have to like sit there and drink tea and crumpets together, but you can find a dude that, you know, like that you just don't talk about football all the time, right? And, you know, you could just go, hey man, can I talk to you about something like, Someone said this and it really bothered me. I don't know why, but can you chat with me about it? Yeah, I'll buy you a scotch or a beer or something, but let, let's talk. No, I think that's great advice. I think – so the one common thing I always see with people that have done a lot of like growth is that they all kind of say they had an, like a certain amount of pain and then at some point that was like intolerable and that kind of like focus or refocused them to start improving and changing things because they say like you can't change people. Like people can only change themselves. So it's, I think it's really important for, I think anybody to realize like pain and shortcomings are normal and that it's actually like a tool that you can kind of use to catapult yourself into a better situation. And then I also noticed that a lot of people that are doing self-improving have coaches. And I think that's so important. It's like one of those things where they say like you go to therapy to get better and then you see a coach to be exceptional. I think everyone needs one, especially if like you're an entrepreneur or doing anything like starting a new business, whatever it is, it just helps you get to that exceptional point. So I think that's great advice, like finding a coach for sure. Find a coach, find a mentor, you know, you could go to a church and find a, a pastor or like depending on what stage of life in you, you know, like you could reach out to people that the thing is this guys, your ego is going to get in your way. You have to be able to go to someone and say, I need help. Can you help me? Or can you point me in the right direction? Can you introduce me to someone who could help me? I'm help. I'm hurting with this and I need help with this. Will you help me? You've got to be able to raise your hand and say, I need help. That's going to be the biggest growth in your world is if you're willing to, to turn down your ego just a little bit enough to capture wisdom. Wisdom whispers, your ego is yelling all the time. You got to shut your ego down to listen. I just made that up, I think. I, I might have read it somewhere. <laughs> 
No, yeah, I really like that. I can relate with that a lot. I always say like I have like a lot of masculine tendencies. Like I'm just like very alpha. So my ego at some point was like very out of control and it was something that I had to work on a lot. And I feel like, I think we said this on your podcast, but it's like someone said like the ego gets the book written. So like you don't want to like completely like snuff it out. Like there is a purpose for it, but you want to like kind of be in control of it and like unleash that monster when you need to and then be able to like cage it back up when it's not serving you for your best self. Let me ask you a question. When has your ego gotten you in the most trouble? Oh, God. Hmm. So for example, I was contracted to a company for a very long time. And like one of the reasons I kind of like chose my career path is I don't want to work for anybody. I don't want someone to tell me what to do, when to show up, how to do anything. I just like don't respond well to that. And it like almost turns it on immediately. I almost become disagreeable like on purpose, even though like I might not agree with what I'm saying. I just like purposely want to go the opposite direction that you're telling me to go to just to like exercise like my autonomy, if you will. So there was like a lot of like overbearing, I guess, like ways that they tried to like handle me. So I would just like purposely act out and go onto social media and like, you know, like say this is happening and fuck the man and blah, blah, blah. And I ended up like losing my contract. But it was, it was, it ended up serving me well. I'm like a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. But yeah, it definitely like bit me in the butt. And I was like, oh my God, how am I going to pay my bills? (laughs) Like I just got fired. I'm going to be blacklisted. I can never shoot again. Like what did I just do? All because I had to like prove a point, right? So sometimes you have to like look 10 steps ahead and not like react emotionally. But yeah, that's like one example. Another example is like I've always been like the primary breadwinner in the family, And not to say my husband doesn't do well. He does very well in his own right, in his own arena. But I've just always done better, right? So for a long time, like I had – like a lot of men would probably not, I guess, be so accepting of like their woman like making more money than them. And he doesn't give a shit. Like he was fine. He didn't care. He was like confident in his own skin. But I wasn't okay with that. So like I was mad that I was making more money. So then that would cause fights with us all of the time. And he's like, what is wrong with you? Like you need to like calm down. Like I don't care. You're the one that has the issue with it. And it was because I had these like traditional values that were instilled. Right. And I don't like now that I like questioned those, I don't give a shit. It's just, it's all of our money. It's for our family. And it doesn't matter how, like who's making the more, like the most of it, whatever. But yeah, my ego like there was like, this isn't okay, right? Like I just like got too big and powerful in my own stupid mind. And then I started acting like a monster. But yeah, I think it comes down to questioning like your beliefs, right? Like it's like anytime that there's a bad behavior, I would say that someone put an idea in your head at, you know, usually as a kid and you said, this is true without question. And like that now is your rule. So if you kind of go back enough steps and question like, well, why is this here? Is it serving me well? And does it need to stay here? I think you can kind of like grow that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the growth is actually like taking a moment, turning off the ego, listening to what's going on, right? Because we're we're really smart, you know, most of the time until we open our mouth, right? So there's good things that are going on and bad things. And we got we got to be able to filter out what is good, what is bad. But you got to be quiet for a minute. You got to really listen. You got to turn off the ego just for a second because otherwise that ego is going to cost you a lot of money. It's going to cost you relationships. It's going to cost you a lot, a lot. Your ego will get you in so much trouble. So you mentioned a business partnership that went wrong. Would you say that there was like a lot of ego with that? (laughs) Oh, yeah. 
Absolutely. I judge my family. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. I'd love to talk about my failures. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, thank you for bringing that up. So I have uh, my daughter's seven and she's lived in seven different homes. We've gone through, like I said, hidden rock bottom multiple times, chasing what I felt was my purpose, right? So my purpose is to invest in businesses and invest in people. Good intention. I had it for a good reason. We don't live extravagantly. It was to serve others, right? All good intentions. But I, my, my daughter's seven and she's lived in seven homes. I've dragged my family across the United States chasing, you know, deals, chasing work. And there's been deals where I knew they were no good. And my wife even said, like, I don't want to do this. And I'm like, no, you're coming, woman. You know, like <laughs> last night we were talking and I joked with her. She said, uh, it was about something. And I said, yeah, I got this new business idea. And she goes, what? I was like, I'm just kidding. Right. So like lots of business ideas, lots of things, but like my ego, has drugged my family, not just me, right? If it's me, it's one thing, but my ego has dragged my family and they have gone, you know, kicking and screaming at times and that caused issues in my marriage. And we had to, we didn't have to, but we chose to go to counseling and work through some of this stuff. And I've just, I've learned that my ego ego for me, and I've got a a big one. I, I don't have to do any air compressor on my ego to try to pump it up or confidence, right? Most of the time, I gotta like really shut it down because it it is overpowering in my brain, and it's always telling me, "Josh, you could do that. You could jump off that roof and not get hurt. You could go invest in that. You'll win." No, Josh, you can never lose. But I've learned that that ego has lied to me over and over and over, and it's hurt me and my family. So now I'll listen to it and I'll go, "Okay," and I'll stack it up against advice from wise people. So I'll take that, and most of the time, they're going, "Ah, Josh." Are you really looking to to do this, or is it really just your ego trying to, you know, work for another venture capital fund or private equity fund, or name name any other cool job that makes you sound really important? Is that really why you're trying to do that? And I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. I'll go back to at the moving company, or I'll go back to, you know, just serving small, you know, business owners who aren't, you know, served well. So ego gets in the way all the time. But now I listen to it, and I just bring it in front of my advisors. And they're my guardians, you know, they, they protect me. No, that's really good advice. I think I always say like, you're not the little voice in your head, right? Cause you can hear it, right? You're listening to it. Like it's almost like this separate entity. So you have to have like that removal, like you can't identify yourself as your thoughts. And then that's like a really good way to like filter through like, okay, is this like intuition? Is this like a really good hunch? Or is this just like a crazy little guy running around in my head that's just telling me to look at something shiny that looks good or that's going to like give me that instant gratification, whatever it is. But usually it's not a good thing. So being able to separate yourself from that and then properly assess if it's the right path or not. Yeah, I think so. It's definitely saved me taking a much slower approach, doing less, but doing it better. Uh, I'm learning. I'm going through stages in my life where I'm grieving for the first time of certain things, you know, like I'm feeling deeply and I'm trying to be understanding. And I go to some of my guy friends or I'll read a book about it and I go, Hey, what's going on? They're like, Josh, you're healing. Josh, you're, you're feeling this. And I go, okay, that makes sense. Why am I tired? Why do I feel lack of motivation? Why am I anxious about this? Why do I fearful? So I'm not the voice inside my head. Most of the time I just got to like chat it out with someone, read a book on it, listen to a podcast on it, talk to a coach about it, right? I've got lots of coaches and a lot of people who help me and a lot of friends that will take a phone call and I go, dude, I'm a mess right now. And they go, we get it. Let's go chat. Or I had one guy just say, you're being a pansy right now. And I go, 
cool, man. I, I appreciate you telling me that. Like he was, you know, kind of joking, but he was saying, you know, he called me out and he's like, all right, too much emotion. Like, okay, cool. I could back up a little bit, you know? <laughs> yeah. You don't want to get lost in it. Yeah. I think it's, it's really important to like feel your feelings. Someone told me just the other day, like even crying, like releases oxytocin. So that yeah. that's literally, it's like an emotional release and it helps you get over that like intense feeling that you, that you're experiencing. But there's a difference between like experiencing it and getting lost in it. And that's why I love that one book, The Untethered Soul, because it says like you have to let it go, like clinging on to any emotion, whether it's good or bad, will get you into trouble. So it's like very important to just like feel it, release it, and then move on with your life. Now, I agree that, you know, uh, for me, I've got to, I've got to leak every once in a while, like in terms of crying. You have to leak. leak. (laughs) We can say cry. I don't. No, I don't cry. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, I'll tell you one of the funniest things, and this is, I, I really enjoy doing this. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but like me and my kids, we love watching like America's Got Talent or the Britain's Got Talent or X Factor or whatever. We like watching those shows, but I'll tell you, I will tear up when there's like an emotional, like someone who really, really stands out and they did something like where they got to experience their gift in a full, in a fullness of their joy and people are like cheering and it's just like, they got to express their gift and people are cheering them. I'm like, they get it. You know, people are finally accepting, right? And that will make me leak. <laughs> For me, my kids will be watching that. We love watching those kind of things. But that's that's one of my leaking moments. <laughs> no, me too. There was like this dance competition show that was on a while back. And I would get the same way. Like when you saw someone just have that moment, like you could just tell and feel it. And I would just get so emotional. And Eric's like, what are you doing? Why are you crying? It's the middle of the day. <laughs> Yeah, for real. Like, you don't understand what I just saw. It's so beautiful. No, there's like a lot of times where I feel like I need like a good cry. Like, I just know I need like that release in some way. And then like, I'll just like have a binge night of like watching like very sad movies just to get it out. <laughs> it's very therapeutic. I know like most men are like, what is she talking about? But it wor- it works wonders for everybody. I'm telling you, if you like have that pent up energy, put on like Marley and me or something and just go for it. Yeah. And I'm new to this crying thing. I'm new to this feeling thing. You know, I grew up on a construction site with a badass dad who expected me. My dad was really rough on me. You know, I was a really good wrestler, a fighter. You know, I wrestled alligators, fought fires, ran, you know, delivered babies and I worked with the SWAT and, you know, defensive tech. So like, I'm not a, I'm a tough guy and I've taken a lot of kicks to the face, but I'll tell you, like, I could take a punch a lot better than I could take rejection a broken bone or something like that, I could handle that a lot better than losing someone I love, right? And I just realized that that was a big gap in my life, my feelings and emotions, right? So maybe the pendulum swung a little bit one side or the other, but I tell you, like, I feel closer to my wife, my children, my community, and my God, and other people, right? When I am aware of what's going on inside. When I was so tough and wanted other people to think how tough I was, I tell you, I blocked out a lot of really good connections with people. It, it, it really, I, I lost out on a lot. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. What would you say is like one of the more like powerful books that you've read that's like kind of helped you along the way? One of the books that I've read recently, my my buddy actually runs this nonprofit. There are two books, and now, now mind you, this, these are based on my my belief systems, right? So, you know, as a Christian, you're supposed to say the Bible, but you know, like it's hard to read sometimes. But there's two books that I read that really helped me understand how a guy can be transparent and vulnerable without being crazy, right? But there was a book called Bose Cafe and The Cure. 
like I said, my the ministry is, is really cool. They're called TrueFace, uh, TrueFace.org. I think that those like really helped me understand how to talk about an issue and how God views your issues. Like I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then I, I read another book about grace. So a lot of stuff is God has a lot of grace on me. So therefore I could have a lot of grace on myself. Mm-hmm. And then I could have a lot of grace on other people. My kids will be like, when they're in trouble, they go, God, dad, can we have grace? <laughs> like, oh, yes, you can have grace, but you're still getting spanked. <laughs> is that Bose Cafe? Is that the Biddy and Bose uh, lady? I don't know, but I don't think so. Uh, oh, okay. It was just a really good book about a guy who's really struggling in life. And he got with a community who was open, who could talk about what kind of job they have, what kind of issues they were having. And there was no judgment. And that was the first time in their life he experienced that. But it helped model for me how to talk with other guys or girls or people about what's going on inside my head, to be transparent and authentic. Like when you shine light on your problems, it loses its power, right? Especially if someone could go, oh, I can help you with that. You know how many times like I kept my problems inside and I try to fight through it my own or I'll just get through it on my own. And then when I learned this, people will ask me like, and I'll start talking. They'll go, how are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm struggling here. And they're like, oh, I can help you with that. And then they just take it off my plate. And I'm like, wow, that was awesome. Like, I'm so glad I did that. I'm so glad I asked for help. I'm so glad I was honest and didn't go, I'm great. I'm Superman. I can handle anything, you know? Yeah, that's something I, do, I used to do a lot too, is just like say that I could handle like everything and I don't need any help. And then that's like another example of where ego gets in the way because um, you don't want to look like you need anybody else and that you're like this strong, independent woman in my case. You're so strong, Candace. You're so, I know. you know, right? And then you like realize like your strength comes from like being vulnerable, right? Like that's like true strength is exposing yourself and saying like, I need help in whatever area and that's okay. Yeah. What I found is that that's the, that's the beginning of wisdom, right? Is, is releasing that. And, and the, the ultimate strength you have is in your strength but also in your community strength, right? So together, right, I, you know, like you could do a lot if you have people who believe in you and who will help you stand when you can't. Like there's, there's, there's major power in that. People could open doors for you. They could help you. They could lift you up. You could do the same for them and you should. It's reciprocal. That's community. Yeah, I totally agree. Couldn't agree more. So do you believe in like fate and destiny? To be honest, I don't know. I think I do, but I don't know. <laughs> So what would you say if you had to like come up with your life's purpose or like your mission statement, what would that be? So I would say that there's different avenues for it, but ultimately my job is to love God and love people, right? So that's my overarching umbrella, right? So if, if there's anything that falls outside of that, it's probably not in the zone. In the business world, it's to really help businesses, like small businesses, the local businesses, you know, help them get through some of the struggles so that they can spend more time with their family, spend more time, maybe, you know, and hire more employees or grow their business. Like, I think that that's my business purpose, but like, I just really want to be a good dad, a good husband, right? Even if we just scoot by financially, if I lose all my money again, but I'm a good dad, a good husband, a good friend, like that's my, that's, that's my purpose. Be a really good community guy, husband, father, son, friend. That's my purpose, to be really, really freaking good at that. That's my purpose. Beautiful. Thanks. Yeah. Well, do you want to tell our listeners where they can follow you, support you? Sure. So guys, if you're in business or guys and gals, if you're in business and 
you know, you want to ch- you know, talk shop about business or even about, you know, like feelings and emotions and coaching or anything like that. Like you can, you can go to LinkedIn, you know, Joshua Bruce Wilson, do a search. My podcast is Uncensored Advice for Men. My cell phone is 352-274-4500. You can text me. Just say, hey, heard you on Candace's show and, and want to talk with you about this. And, you know, like I always say, reach out to your guests and then reach out to the host and just say, hey, thanks for this. So like send Candace an awesome message saying thanks, you know, and send me a message saying, hey, this is what I need help with. And I'll point you in the right direction. Awesome. I love it. Well, thanks again for coming on. I really appreciate you. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have the time, please rate and review. And you can always hit subscribe to stay up to date with our latest episodes. I hope to have you back.